Hey listeners, I'm Adam, and this is Can I Ask You a Question, a podcast where anyone is welcome to join me for an episode to share their thoughts on a topic of their choice. I'm looking forward to hearing new opinions and perspectives, and hopefully becoming a bit more open-minded along the way. If you're interested in joining me for a future episode, feel free to check out the sign-up link in this episode's description. All right, good to go? Yep. Okay, thanks Daniel, thanks for taking time to chat. Excited to be here. <laughs> I've never done a podcast before, so well, I'm glad. It's I'm glad fun. you agreed to to chat. Of course, uh, is it okay if we jump into the first question? Sure. Okay, let's do it. So, the question you picked was: What inventions do you feel have had a net negative effect on the world? So, I assume you did some brainstorming or something. I did, or had some in mind. I did. I did. Do you mind sharing? Yeah, so I'll start with the one that I guess I spent the most time thinking about. Okay. Um, This is probably going to be somewhat controversial, but I like it. That's that's the point of this. So, an invention that I think has had a net negative effect on society is ride hailing apps. So, Uber, Lyft, all of those types of apps. Okay. Yeah. Why? So a couple of reasons. Um, I think when these apps started out, um, I guess almost a decade ago, the promise and the expectation would be that they would have all of these different benefits to society, to riders, to cities, um, and a lot of them haven't materialized. So for example, it was this idea that people were going to be sharing rides with other people and part of uber rides are that um but a lot of them are just single uh riders who are taking an uber instead of driving their own car um you know they said it was going to reduce traffic and congestion but studies show that congestion and traffic has actually gone up um particularly in like big dense cities where uber is very popular um and i think it's had a pretty negative impact on public transit, you know, because people are shifting away their spending from public transit agencies to Uber, which gives public transit agencies less money. Um, so those are some of the details, but I think just generally it's, it's been negative for, for congestion, negative for cities, um, negative environmentally. Um, yeah. So those are some of the reasons. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Uh, I think I think you're right that even even if people are sharing Ubers and doing Uber Pool or Express Pool, uh, it's still better for them to take public transit. Mm-hmm. So, and I would say, and I I I obviously use Uber myself. I, I try to avoid it as much as possible, but I I completely understand why. Uber is an attractive option. I mean, in a lot of times, especially if you actually are sharing, it's cheaper than transit or other options. It's so convenient. Um, And, you know, we like, everything is about convenience these days. Um, And yeah, transit in a lot of cities and particularly ours, I don't need to mention it, our transit is not great. So people see it as a good alternative, but the, the, the fact that so much Uber use is in 
downtown cores where there is better transit rather than you know what you would think um you'd think that the highest ridership would be in suburbs or areas that aren't as well served by transit um that kind of just shows that it, it's it's not having these amazing benefits that these companies uh claimed yeah and i guess i guess people just use it because it's more convenient and we're in this like convenience type of we're moving towards a world that's like focused on more convenience mm-hmm. uh sort of related what what are your thoughts on like uber eats so food delivery mm-hmm. and maybe like grocery delivery because i think you could make an argument there's probably an ar- environmental argument as well but then just an argument around maybe something around like physical exercise like not going out or an argument against it in terms of like isolation uh i don't know what are your thoughts no for sure like definitely agree and i think it's it's like beyond that it's yeah it's, it's uber eats it's grocery delivery it's amazon um you know you order a you order a small item on amazon and you get a massive box with all of these uh plastic uh what's it called the uh bubble wrap and you know as if you bought some like fragile you know jewel or something but yeah no i think all of these things what they're doing is a obviously they're harmful to the environment um obviously they increase congestion and make streets more crowded um they increase pedestrian fatalities when you have all this these big delivery trucks you know romping around neighborhoods um parking sometimes up on sidewalks i'm sure you've seen where there's no space they'll just kind of put two of the wheels on the sidewalk um parking in bike lanes um being very disruptive um and yeah i think a lot of these i mean a lot of these things are it's just as easy to order a ritual and go pick up food at a place on your way home as it is to order Uber Eats. Like, it's not like it saves you that, that much time. Yeah. So I don't know. So I, I agree the environmental problem is real. I'm, I'm optimistic that Amazon and others will solve that and they'll find a way to make their packaging entirely recyclable or significantly reduce their packaging. I'm more concerned about how a lot of the technology today is about like minimizing human interaction and what the implications of that are. Uh, so like starting with like ATMs are like, we're, they're super convenient, but reducing just minimum, like some human interaction, grocery stores are more, uh, they have like self checkouts. Right, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. Like there's, I'm drawn to it. I use these things. Yeah. Like I go to a grocery store, I use self-checkout, but I don't know, something something doesn't feel right about it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, again, all these things are convenient. People are busy, like busier than ever nowadays. Um, it's easy, it can make things quicker. But yeah, I don't know, what. like what is it gonna be like when your day doesn't involve interacting with anyone outside of work or your friends or your family um and i think on like the whole you know uh uber eats and taking uber rides is part of that as well like you're if you're always 
you know, in your own car rather than on transport where you're exposed to people that are different than you. Um, it kind of further puts people into the bubbles that we are all already in, right? Yeah. Um, maybe a little off topic, but like on this note of like isolation in big cities and what's causing it, um, it came up in this like this book club that I actually went to. We were just talking about book clubs, but <laughs> I, I found one on, you know, the website Meetup? Have you heard of Meetup? Yeah, I have. So I found one that happens at like Toronto Reference Library at Young and Bloor once right. a month. So anyways, there was a conversation um, last week at, at that one um, about the trend, like urbanization and like what are the pros and cons of urbanization and like one of the cons that came up was the feelings of isolation and they were saying it seems to be rooted in like if you're in a small town of like 200 people and there's like someone in need, you can like help them because you know, it's just one or two people versus in a big city, like if you stopped to help every person in need, like homeless on, on the street, like you just become overwhelmed and you just couldn't do it. So as a result, we don't help any of them. And like, same thing with just like, it, it, it involves like mental energy to like give everyone attention. Mm -hmm. So as a result, we just don't give anyone attention. That's why like, elevators are just no one talks right and it's always offered when you're in your yeah. condo elevator with someone else and yeah so I, I guess maybe on. maybe this is like the invention of big cities and like do you think do you think big cities if you consider that an invention do you think they've had a net positive or net negative impact so I think they've had. I mean, I I'm, I definitely will say that they've had a net positive impact. Yeah, I would say. Um, I'm obviously biased myself as someone who lives downtown. Who, you know, I have a ten minute walk to get to work. Um, I, you know, enjoy living in a big city and everything that comes with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the isolation part is a tough one. I think part of it is is people move to big cities partially because you have that like anonymity of you know just being another person and being able to do whatever you want and not living in a small town where maybe everyone knows you know everything that's up in everyone's life um, and um, maybe there's more pressure or it's difficult to get out of a bubble or you have to conform so I think that's one of the kind of like attractions of big cities for some people and that there's literally something for everyone um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think the isolation and the fact that we're interacting with people less and less has a very negative impact on um, urban life. I, I was reading a book a couple years ago. I haven't finished this book, but it's um, it's called the, the Death and Life of Great American Cities. I might have butchered the title. It's by Jane Jacobs, hmm. who's... Um, like a very renowned um, urban planner. And she basically went around to American cities and just observed life, what was going on. She was not trained as a planner or anything. She just was very observant. And and she, this was this book is like from the 1960s or 70s. So it's before, before any of the inventions that we're talking about. 
and she talks about you know people living in um, New York where you have maybe like the pharmacy or like the deli in the corner and the owner of the deli is there every day um, you're going there to buy groceries or buy whatever every day you're interacting with them they know who you are um, you know they, they see a kid on the street or someone walking in um, they see someone who needs help like there is that familiarity and it's not because you know someone decides oh I'm gonna become best friends with the owner of the deli and like that is my goal for the day and I'm gonna share my life with him but when you're exposed to the same people all the time and when you have that kind of like mutual trust it's a game changer and we don't like we don't have that really yeah there's something city. there's something super nice about that like if you go I don't know at least for me sometimes if I'll go hiking in an area that's there aren't a lot of people and you mm-hmm. see someone every five or ten minutes you always say hey to them you say hi like how's it going right there's something like I don't know that I really like about that that you, you just don't get in the city as much yeah um, and yeah I don't know I mean sometimes I say okay today I'm gonna say hi to everyone in the elevator I'm gonna start up a conversation but yeah it never happens and I don't know if it's a psychological thing of, of being in a city or the fact that you know yeah I guess you're right you're walking by dozens of people and you're not gonna stop and smile and chat with everyone but it, yeah. it's funny like sometimes I'll have the same mindset as you and I'll be like okay today Adam you're not gonna look at your phone <laughs> in the elevator at all and then most of the time if I do that like the other the other person in the elevator is on their phone but like sometimes they're maybe they also have the same mindset and they're not on their phone and you kind of just like make eye contact and like smile for a second right and it sounds weird but like I don't know there's something very nice about that yeah for sure and yeah you wonder how many people are thinking the same thing being like oh this is so awkward like should i just say hi or should i just like make eye contact so uh any any did you think of any net positive inventions that maybe you think are controversial like i know you talked about you started off with a net negative that was controversial do you anything come to mind no worries if it doesn't um, that's a good question. Where I, I can let you can you can brew on it, and we can move on to a different question. Sure. Are there any that positive that you can think of? Put <laughs> <No. laughs> put it back on yeah. you. Um, I hadn't. No, I didn't think about it. Uh, I will also have to think about it. That's a thing. Things that are. Things that are good are, are tend to be less controversial than things that are bad, right? I'm trying to think um, of things that people generally consider to be bad. Yeah. Anyways, we'll come back to it. Something that I thought would be cool is a few weeks ago, a couple of friends at work, we were like thinking about, it's like almost the end of the decade, and we were trying to think about like what, or someone, someone made a comment saying, I feel like uh, there hasn't been that much new technology in the past decade they said like i feel like in the um 1900s there was more big change invented inventions and stuff like that like the automobile airplane stuff like that um but then we started like trying to look through and think through all the things that have 
kind of exploded in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I have the list. Um, it might be cool to look through them and see which ones we think are like good or bad. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so maybe I'll just read through them and then tell me which one you think might be interesting. So these were all ones that we thought like really exploded in the last, like this decade. Yeah. So smartphones, uh, cars on demand, like Uber, like you already talked about. Okay. Food on demand, uh, like cloud st storage. So like Google Sheets and Dropbox. Virtual reality, still not big, but getting bigger. Mm -hmm. Voice assistance is a big one, like Google Home, Alexa, Siri. Right. Uh, fingerprint scanners on your phone, Face ID. Um, Real-time traffic on Google Maps and Waze. Uh, movies on demand, like Netflix. Uh, online shopping, same-day shipping, like Amazon we talked about a bit. Right. Electric cars, scooters, bikes. Airbnb, um, internet speeds in general, uh, Google Translate, wireless headphones and chargers and stuff, uh, online learning like edX and Coursera, social media. Right, that's the big one I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> um, wearables like Apple Watch, Fitbit, stuff like that. Yeah. Any of those seem like, any of those jump out? So, okay, I'll say one that's a pet peeve. I don't know if it's a net negative or not. Okay. But with wearables, um, people that have Apple Watches, whenever I'm with a friend and they're constantly looking at the Apple Watch, I know that they're getting a notification, but I, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, they're looking at the time. Like, are they like, do they need to run or like, are they impatient? So that's not actually a bad thing, but it's just like, oh, I always have to be like, oh yeah, no, they're just checking their notifications. No, that's fair. But, and um, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I personally, I've never seen the appeal in having the notifications on my wrist. Mm -hmm. Like, personally, I feel like the phone is enough that it buzzes all the time. Yeah. But I don't know. I have friends who love it. But yeah, that's a fair one. Yeah. Uh, what about, I'm thinking about like online learning. This goes with the trend of moving away from maybe human interaction. Right. So like big pros in that I can now, like we can now learn from Harvard, like all the top schools for pretty much free. Right. I mean, yeah, it gives people awesome. access to things that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. So. Which is great, but then I guess if it's, if it replaces going to university in person, which I'm not sure if it does, right? Like, I don't know how many people are, are you know, taking school online rather than going to campus. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so much of the university experience is not just the classroom. Totally. Um, like the, and I would say like the main learning that you get in university is not just sitting in class. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. I feel like I keep gravitating towards uh, technology that, takes us away from in-person with people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know how I feel about it because even at work, there's more and more talk about remote work. Right. I know a lot of startups that are fully remote, like people in every single continent are working together. Mm -hmm. And yes, like you said, it's access to talent and stuff like that. But something just, it feels very eerie to me that you could live in a world where you're just spending more and more time alone. Like another thing is 
you have these micro condos now, right? Like condos right. are getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. They're being designed so that you can't really live with other people. Like Interesting. in the past, they were bigger. It was kind of like you were forced to live with others. So although yeah. with micro condos, the counter to that would be that if you're living in a small condo, it forces you to spend time outside the condo, right? So maybe instead of just sitting on your couch and watching TV, um, you're out at a cafe or I was going to say we work, but who knows how long <laughs> that'll be around um, or you're in the park. So then maybe, maybe on the positive, it'll shift people away from being solitary at home and have people more out in the world. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think WeWork had like a We Home thing as well yeah. that they were piloting, which was like super high-end dorms. Right. Yeah. Which I like the idea because I liked first year res because you have your own room, but there's a like you have to share the washrooms and the kitchen and the common area. So I think that's what they were going for, trying to get people out of their rooms. So. I feel like that'd be cool. I don't think there's any in Toronto, but I feel like that'd be a really interesting way of living. Yeah. Um, I know you're into urban planning, but like... No, for sure. Cause, I mean, yeah. I was gonna say, because the kind of like the dream um, for at least like the end of the 20th century, I guess, and probably even now, like the dream living situation for most people is like, let's go about like, when we can afford it, we'll buy a house in the suburbs and have a backyard and you know drive everywhere and all that and then on the other extreme is dorms or I, or I don't know sharing rooms or things like that um, and it's interesting how there's like that tension and, and there's much more in the middle and more pushed towards the side of living closer together and young people wanting to live in condos as opposed to in the suburbs yeah I'm wondering between condos and suburbs, like how much of a difference is it on how much you interact with your neighbors? Because like in the downtown core, you have these condos, but like no one, I don't know my, I haven't talked to my neighbors right. at all, Yeah, which is sad. Mm -hmm. um, my parents in the suburbs, like they know like we know our neighbors, yeah, but we're not we're not talking that frequently. But you know them, and you'll say hi to them, and yeah, they're, they're walking the dog, and they have the dog. You'll stop and chat. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but you're right. Like we still aspire to, like living in the suburbs. Yeah, um, and I don't know. Maybe part of that is like a sense of permanence that, for a lot of us. The apartment, you know, we're either renting apartments or like recently moved to a city. You like you're you know you're not going to stay in the same apartment for more than a handful of years. So I don't know if that's part of it. If it's like, why am I going to make an effort to become friends with my neighbor if I'm not going to be here for very long? I don't know. True. Yeah, that could be part of it. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's interesting because. Uh, like just thinking about all the inventions that you read, um, like social media. I mean, obviously, you can make forty-seven podcasts in a row about the effect of social media, and that wouldn't be enough time to talk about it. But like, obviously, that one's had a massive impact. But a lot of the other ones that you read 
are pretty just incremental, right? Like base ID as opposed to putting in a password or yeah, voice assist. It's like, yeah, like what are the big, big um, inventions of the past few years that you say? The big inventions of the past few years? Yeah, or well, like, like tech innovations. So face ID, for instance, like the, the facial, facial recognition technology could be used for like bad. Right, of course. But I guess that's a lot of technologies. Like it depends how it's used. Yeah. Like the technology in itself isn't necessarily good or bad. It's like, yeah, how it's used. Mm -hmm. But the biggest, the biggest changes, I feel like just the concept of smartphones and the amount of time we spend on our phone seems like the biggest one to me. Like the amount of time we spend with technology. Yeah. The technology and the social media. Most of these things are buckets within that. Yeah. And I think this is like related, but a different point. I think there's a lot of, there's kind of this idea that all of our problems have a technological solution to them, right? Like any issue in society, any problems that we have can be solved by some new invention or some new technology or some new product. Um, and I, 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 I don't think that's always the case. Like I think there's times where you look for a technological solution where the right solution doesn't require anything new and we actually have everything we need to solve the problem. It's just about, I don't know, people or how you do things or things like that. Yeah. One, one invention that it was on the second page, like the last one, so I didn't see was dating apps, right. which I think are an interesting one. Oh yeah. So like I met Gab on a dating app. We, we had like a really good mutual friend, Aiden. Yeah. So like that, that helped, but yeah, dating apps are interesting to me because they've like exploded. And I feel like a lot of couples these days have met on apps. Yeah. Um, so the the biggest con I see, I don't know what, what you think, but the biggest con I see to it um, is it's like this the paradox of choice, which is like sometimes we can actually be like less happy when there's just like so many like endless choices right. yeah. versus You're overwhelmed by choice. Yeah, versus like I don't know a couple hundred years ago you're in like a small village and there's like a handful of people and like that's right. it. Um, so like it's kind of just like easier and like determined there's a lot of issues with that like yeah I'm not advocating for that but I don't know you got an arranged marriage when you're six years old and (laughs) yeah that's not good no that's not good Um, but what do you what do you think I don't know I think I think it's a net positive Um, I mean I think compared to a lot of social media it's like relatively benign yeah um yeah. In terms of its effects. I mean, obviously, it's nicer maybe for some people to be able to say that they met not on an app. Yeah. And, like, people still tend to be, like, hesitant to say that they met their significant other on an app. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't see too much outside of it. Yeah, fair. There's still a stigma around it, but, yeah, I would, I would agree. I don't think it's a net negative. And from the list we talked about, none of these seem to me... Well, we talked about... Oh. I would agree with you on Uber. I would agree with you on Uber. 
that um, you could make a case that it's a net negative? Oh, I would say a lot. Like I would a say not. Um, let's see. I would say screen time. Obviously, I think it would be a net negative. Yeah. Um, same day shipping again. I would argue it's a net negative. Why? Um, like similar to what we were saying before, just like the like the environmental impact of a truck delivering a single item to someone's house or apartment. And I also think it kind of just goes to this culture that we were talking about before of like convenience and of like not being able to wait for things. Um, the other day, I, I don't know why I think I was at the airport and there was like a relatively long lineup. Um, and even with the Nexus card, the Nexus line was long. And I just realized I was getting so just like frustrated. And yes, obviously people have always been frustrated to wait in lines, but it's like we're so used to everything happening so quickly and like not having to wait on things and everything being on demand. And I don't know, like how, I feel like it kind of messes with your your expectations. Do you, do you meditate at all or have you tried ever? I've tried. Um, I do it on and off. I don't know how, how good I am at it, but... Um, yeah why uh well the reason i think of it is like so i i've also tried like on and off but like generally have never made it a habit right but i found that like i'm trying to think i probably first started trying it like two to three years ago and i feel like now when i try it's harder and i'm more antsy just sitting there for five minutes right like my mind is just like why am I sitting here doing nothing? I feel, I feel the need to be occupied, be occupied with anything, yeah. whether it's checking something on my phone or cleaning or doing anything else. And I feel like that, I, I thought of it cause you mentioned like Nexus waiting in line and just like our, our patience feels like it's getting shorter. Yeah. You're, and it's like, yeah, it's our patience and our just need to always be like, interacting with something. Um, of like not like even downtime is like what's downtime it's watching netflix right like i don't know about you but i i rarely just sit and do nothing and not be on your phone yeah uh a couple days i was talking about i think it was with my roommate that like i think once in the past five years i've left the house without my phone right uh like it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, no, that is wild. <laughs> and uh, Aiden, Aiden works in a, he works in a mine like in northern BC, wow. and he said they lost like internet and cell service for a week. He wasn't there, but like I couldn't imagine like what it'd be like to just have no internet access for a week. Right. Yeah. No. I think, but I think like it would be crazy for the first day and I'd probably be stressing so much and like, like keeping to reach for my phone, but it wasn't there. But I think like you would enjoy it after a few days if you were forced to not use your phone or if like it somehow got taken away or you were given like a flip phone from 2000 that didn't have any functionality. I know. I feel like eventually you'd like, you, you'd like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd like to hope so. Yeah, but and I, I also you got a service back and you, you and like I'd be right back on my phone. Yeah, but maybe maybe use it a bit less to start like right. or something. I'm trying to think what else what else I had here. Um, Airbnb is another one that I would argue is in many cases a net negative. Really, for me, for me, that one seemed like a clearly net positive. So I'm curious why you think. Yeah, so again, has to do with kind of cities and planning and all that. Um, so Airbnbs are a big issue in particularly heavily like t- cities that get a lot of tourism and cities that are expensive for real estate in general. Um, a lot of Airbnbs are apartments that either um, someone who owns the apartment and lives there and is renting it out part-time but a lot of the times it's just owners of of uh of condo apartments who who rent them out full-time as airbnbs so what you're doing is you're taking housing that could be available for local people to rent and to live in and you're reducing the local stock of housing and turning it into hotels basically so that just ends up pushing up rent, making cities more unaffordable. Um, and then in extreme cases, like if you have cities like Barcelona, where there's like full like neighborhoods or maybe not neighborhoods, but like, you know, dozens of, of apartments in the central parts of these cities that have been turned into Airbnbs and are basically just a giant tourist zone and locals can't afford to live in these places anymore. Okay, so yeah, I, I was thinking of it from the perspective of the Airbnb hosts who actually are either in the home as well, and you're getting to like share the home with them right. and get to know them and their local culture or whatever. Oh yeah, that's great. So, but even so, I get I get the issue with the part you're saying where they're just using it as a investment property. Yeah. But is it is it any worse than hotels? Um, yeah, I mean, hotels are, hotels are built to be where, where tourists stay, but they're usually Um, like their tax There's specific regulations about them. Um, hotels aren't taking, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a good point. Um, but I think like hotels are self-contained things they have all of the amenities for guests um and i think there's probably some regulation around like hotel construction and how many can get built but here you're taking units that were specifically built Fair. for an end user to live in and giving them over to tourists and Fair. reducing the stock of housing that's available to, to people to actually live in Okay, so you're saying maybe cities have rules on how many hotels can be like built, for instance, in a in the core. I mean, maybe or at least like there's definitely taxes, right? Like hotels are are specifically taxed, um, whereas Airbnbs a lot of times don't face those same taxes. Um, it goes back just more widely to housing and real estate just being an investment, like a financial investment for people, rather than being built like with the primary focus of, of having a place to live it, you know it's being built for the for the purpose of investors you know dumping their money in an apartment which is fully fine I mean everyone has the right to do that but 
yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very negative towards everyone else who can't afford to to pay these increased rents and okay. cost of living. You've convinced me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not checking the time. I'm just checking my battery because I was not thinking last night and didn't charge it, but we're good. Uh, okay, another one that I had never thought of, but I was... I was just searching up the topic before before our chat, and it was like a Quora question saying, what's the worst invention of all time? And someone said money, and I had never even thought of it. And they were making an argument against money saying, well, first of all, it's become like an end goal for most people, and we're right. so consumed with money, which is really just a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And what else were they saying? They were saying... Well, first of all, like we measure other people by how much money they have. We might make decisions like, I don't know, to go after a job that's going to have to require us to work really long hours, maybe take money, take time away from, I don't know, think like an example. Yeah, an example would be like a job that makes you work really long hours that's fairly obviously reducing your quality of life, right. but we still do it so, or sometimes we do it. So. I don't know. What do you think? But my question is, what's the alternative? Yeah. Because all these, I think a lot of these other ones that we've discussed, there are alternatives. Yeah. And money's enabled so much yeah, growth I mean, and the, like it's enabled the world we have, right? Yeah. And it just enables like our everyday, everything we do, right? Like getting paid for work or going to like, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's like such an essential thing. Yeah, um, and I, because I, what you were saying about you know how it confers status and people look at how much money you have, I wonder, like there, I feel like there's always going to be some way that like humans would find to like assess people, right? Like I think it's just a proxy that's used for social status, maybe, but I don't know. I guess like in the Stone Age when there was no money and people were like hunting or foraging or whatever they were doing probably the people that hunted the most animals or that had the highest status had the highest status so maybe that is better than you no, 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 right. money. let's not go back to the stone but, um, age <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know oh i was gonna say something i forgot uh, okay it'll it'll come back to me okay um, another invention that I thought was interesting was guns. Mm-hmm. Do you, in your mind, do you have a, do you have a side you would take on whether or not it's had a net positive or net negative? The invention of guns. I mean, I, I feel like it's definitely had a net negative. I can't think of the positives of it so i think this one is maybe a controversial one actually that you could maybe make a case for it being a net positive really uh so i think the argument would go something along along the lines of it's helped create order um and it would it would be the same argument for let's take something like nuclear weapons Mm -hmm. so like the atomic bomb seems on the surface to be terrible because you know it could destroy the world, but there's a strong case to be made. But that's the reason we don't have, we haven't had 
any world wars right. in a while is because it's a everyone deterrent. it's a deterrent. Yeah. Everyone knows that if you use it, you're screwed. Right. So, like, there's an argument to be made that more powerful weapons help create more order. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think I mean all you have to do is look at the U.S. and look at you know school shootings and shootings in general and gun culture. So um, I I agree, and um, we can get into gun policy and everything, but right. I I think knowing based on like probably past conversations we had, we're on the same page yeah, in that for sure that guns should be more restrictive, yeah. there should be more background checks, et cetera, in the US, but... Um, but I guess, yeah, like, how do you, like, because you, you mentioned about order, like, how, how do you maintain order without weapons? Yeah, there, yeah, that's a tough one. Like, there's no doubt that a thousand years ago, the, the world was way more barbaric, yeah. and you were way more likely to be murdered, at, or like, Right? Yeah, for sure. So the world is, there's way more order in the world. Yeah. The question is like whether or not that is, whether or not you can contribute that to us having more powerful weapons like guns and right. et cetera. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to read more into it because I, one. that was another one that I read about and I thought it was interesting. For sure. Yeah. Because when you first said it, I, I kind of thought it was a trick question. I was like, oh, this is obviously a net negative. But, um, but yeah. It's a good one. I still can't remember what I was going to ask you uh, related to the money one. Oh. <laughs> the suspense. <laughs> um, trying to think what else. Any, any other ones you... Oh. Well, I was going to ask you something around like how do you how do you determine what is a net negative versus net positive? Like, what are what do you think are some ways to like? Can you can you, can you put numbers behind it? Can you try to quantify that, or is it kind of a gut feel? Like in general, or you mean when you're looking at like specific inventions and whether like whether for instance, we started off with you saying Uber, Uber yeah, is yeah, a net negative. Yeah. Like, can we use can we quantify it some way? Yes. So that one for sure. So you can quantify the environmental impact before and after. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the harder part, but like you can, you can, you can quantify traffic congestion and like that. You can analyze, a lot of these companies keep their data obviously very secretive, but you can, you know, survey people and analyze, um, the percentage mode share in a certain street of bikes versus pedestrians versus versus you know cars. Um, there's now a lot of Uber cars have stickers, so you can you can see you know what cars are Uber and what aren't. Um, but I think yeah, in terms of quantifying it, part of it is just looking at like looking at things from an equity lens and looking at how it affects everyone and how it affects like lower income people and people who don't even have access to the technology. Um, and I think that's probably the case with a lot of these inventions that um, they primarily benefit people who can afford 
to have them, um, but then you don't think of, the, of people that you know obviously can't afford to and like what negative impacts it has on them. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no. I are think, there any that you can think of that are very difficult to quantify? Well, I'm just trying to close off on because I think, I think like you bring up good points on how you can quantify the downsides in terms of congestion, etc., and environmental impact of Uber. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what would Uber say are the net? What are the positive aspects that you could quantify that Uber would say? I'd imagine maybe there's one around like getting places faster. Yeah. And like, how do you quantify the convenience of the average person can now get places 20% faster? I don't know. Right. For sure. Or like, you know, that instead of finding the phone number of a taxi company and maybe waiting for it to show up, like the amount of time saved in that. And maybe, maybe there's an argument it's safer as well because they, they can track like, I know things, bad things have happened with Uber drivers, but like I, I'd have to think it's safer because you have so much information on them where they've, where oh, they've gone. Safer in the sense, okay. I, I thought you meant like safer, like in terms of the draw, like how well the person can drive. But it, you, it could be that too. Oh, okay. it could be in terms of drive because like the fact that there's a rating system means. Right. Um, I assume Uber. Uh, doesn't allow drivers who get ratings under a certain I level. Think so yeah. So like. Across the threshold. Maybe there's an argument that mechanism has helped. I right. don't know. But it's also compared to what? Like, what's it say? It's well, compared to a ta- okay, regular taxi driver. Right, right. Um, but I guess the message here is just just take take public transit. <laughs> and it's not. And, it, and part of it, I think, is like yes, take public transit. But it's also like push, like have the focus be on how do you improve how do you make it easier and better for people to take transit? Like, how do you make it easier for people to take bikes? How do you have sidewalks that are wide enough? Like, you know, you walk down Young Street or King Street during rush hour and you can barely walk at a good speed because it's so congested. So like, how do you focus on improving? I think this applies to a lot of things. Like, how do you focus on making improvements that make these things less necessary yeah. right it's like putting a band-aid on the problem rather than focusing on the the core issue which is like the fact that our cities now are built for cars and not built for other uses do you know why the public bikes don't have helmets attached in some way yeah that's a good question um I don't know. I wonder if it's a sanitary thing. Probably much easier to steal a helmet than a bike. Um, and I think the bike share, a lot of them are, they were designed for people who are using them, not as tourists, but actually to commute. So I think there's there's probably an assumption that you'll, you have your own helmet. Um, hmm. But yeah. yeah I mean, that's fair. No, that's fair. Yeah. I, and it's and you didn't bring this up but like just when you say about helmet i find it interesting because there's a movement of people saying you know we need a mandate that everyone on a bike wears a helmet or with e-scooters um there's some people that say um there should be a limit on like a speed limit on scooters um and it's like is are we mandating speed limits on cars 
right? Like, does any, does anyone ever bring up, oh, like maybe we should limit this, the top speed of a car because it's dangerous, hmm. um, which is much more dangerous. You know, if you're getting hit by a SUV that's going at 50 kilometers an hour, it's way more dangerous and way more frequent than, you know, someone riding a scooter at 25 kilometers per hour. But yeah, we have that conversation, right? About, you know, oh, the, the bicyclist that's doing this or the scooter driver that's doing this. Interesting. And maybe you could also make an argument that like usage might go down on them. And like like you said, we want to encourage people to use bikes and yeah. small e-scooters and stuff like that. But no, you're right. On the, on the bike thing, I feel like I've used that as an excuse for not using the city bikes much is that they don't have a helmet there, but I could easily just bring one with me. And I mean, it's it's still not very safe. Like, there's not a lot of like, yeah. Even if you have the, the city, um, the ones that there are, like, they're not fully separated. So, I mean, if I I don't bike around a ton, but if I do, I really make, mostly stick to either quiet side streets or like streets with specific bike lanes. Anything else? Anything else? come to mind or anything anything you would want to talk about before we wrap up um i don't think so it's been a great conversation i mean you know as you can tell i could go on about uber and transit and airbnb for hours and hours but um no it's 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 been really cool to think of of all these inventions and yeah assess them from a somewhat unbiased angle i guess I'm glad you picked the topic because yeah, I ended up, well first like you had really cool perspectives and then also just reading online about like the guns and money yeah. aspects that I hadn't thought about. Um, another one was I, I looked into plastic cause I thought maybe plastic's a clear one that we'd be better off without. But I guess I didn't realize that at least from what I read, they were saying Pretty much like phones, computers, all these technology wouldn't be possible right. without plastic. So I guess you could make an argument against single-use plastics, like plastic bags. But, but plastics there, in general you need. What yeah. are you going to say on single-use plastics? I, yeah, I was going to say because um, I was looking. They have now like the – I think they're, they're silicone um, Ziploc bags that you can wash and reuse so, so that you're not using single-use Ziplocs. But even that reading online, you know, some people say, oh, like this, the mining of the silicone is, is harmful to the environment or like paperbacks Some people say are worse for the environment. So yeah, I think with a lot of these things, it's like, it's, it's not so as clear cut as you yeah, think. Cause there's negatives to the alternative, right? Yeah. It's not like there's like great alternatives for a lot of these things. Yeah. But I guess just like thinking about it is like a good start. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Thanks again, Daniel. Thanks for having me. No problem. Any anytime you want to come back for another episode, please. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. Cool. Thanks. Thanks again for tuning in to Can I Ask You a Question? If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you left a rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from, so that more people like you can discover it. Also, it'd be super helpful if you'd be willing to leave some feedback on any ideas you have for improving future conversations using the link in this episode's description. Thanks again and see you next time.